at the center of the universe. At the border between the light and the dark stands Castle Grayskull. For countless ages, the heroes of Grayskull have defended the universe against the forces of evil. Walk through the Hall of Living Pictures and learn the history and mystery of the masters of the universe. Dive deep into the mythology of Eternia, Etheria, and more. For those who know the stories of Grayskull will come the power. The power to be supreme. The power to be all-knowing. The power to be... Legends of Grayskull. Hello, everybody. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Uh, we wanted to interrupt the show here with a special segment. Uh, I'm given the opportunity today to sit down uh, with a wonderful fan of the property, and he's done amazing work on it uh, from all the way back to 2000X. Uh, he's done his own fan stuff for years in the Homecoming comic, um, and he's been a presence online ever since I've been a part of the fandom, at least, I'm sure, well before that. Uh, I'm joined today by the wonderful artist, toy designer, uh, fan extraordinaire, Emiliano Santalucia. Emiliano, how are you doing today? Hi. Hi, everybody. Hi, Matt. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. And my apologies if I butchered your name too poorly there. No, I was <laughs> So, Emiliano, I gave them a little taste of what you've done over the years, but why, why don't you go ahead and tell us about some of your... Your notable contributions to the property, um, maybe what what led you to become a He-Man fan? I mean, what is it that's captivated you for all these years? Well, I, if we want to go that far back, I started being a He-Man fan in 1983 uh, when He-Man arrived in, in Italy. Uh, we got it a, a year later. Mm -hmm. uh, so, I mean, I, I've been a fan since day one. I just saw the uh, ad on a magazine. And I was captured. Uh, so the, 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 I, I tried to analyze what um, what was that uh, have me so attached to it over the years. But I, I'm not sure. I, all I know is that it was love at first sight. And it has never gone away since, since then. And, uh, and because of that, I, I, I kind of pursued a career in comics um, because I wanted to do He-Man comics. In fact, my school project was this um, black and white comic that I published on my website in 1998. Yes. And it, it became very popular uh, for some reason. Um, people really liked it. It caught the attention of uh, Val Stables with which was trying to get the license to do the official Masters of the Universe comic in 2000. And we worked together to get the license from Mattel. And we did it. And we did the comic that at that time uh, was uh, considering, uh, was being released at the same time of the new show, the new toys that were releasing. So we worked in that canon and mm -hmm. with that storyline. 
Um, so, and that was basically how I became a professional artist. And being involved in the comic got me uh, close, in a way, to the Four Horsemen. I visited their studio. I talked to them a lot, a lot, and I learned a lot of, about how toys are done. So I thought, why not trying to be a toy designer, which would be more interesting than doing comic book for me, probably. Um, and I, I tried. I took my portfolio with... Um, toy design I did for the Four Horsemen and on my own. Showed it in San Diego to uh, my good friend John Warden uh, um, at Hasbro. is now the lead designer of the Power Ranger brand. Mm-hmm. And he just hired me uh, like this. He nice. saw the, the portfolio and hired me. <laughs> and since, yeah, it's, I, I'm sure it was a lot of luck and it was a lot um, uh, a great help from Ogie Pires which is a huge fan of the, you, a lot of the whole guard of fans know uh, uh, because he has been around a lot and Ogie uh, introduced me um, to to John and San Diego and since it was November uh, 2009 I started working with Asbro uh, it's now almost 12, 12 years uh, and I've become a professional toy designer and I do design for all major uh, brands for Hasbro. I work on the Transformers movies and from time to time I have I, I do other stuff. I work at, with um, Super 7 on their vintage styled figures mm-hmm. uh, managing all the packaging uh, with and bringing back Carol McCarthy, which is one of my proudest moments. Yeah, that was amazing. And, uh, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> and um, and also uh, with um, re- more recently with Mondo, where I designed a few of their figures and some more that they're going to reveal later on. And with this little thing, which is called the Power and Honor Foundation, which is purely f- fan-based and fan-founded, which is uh, um, basically a uh, non-profit uh, association and uh, organization that uh, collect artwork and archives artwork for posterity, basically. And uh, we published that book. Mm-hmm. We worked on the Dark Horse art book. We did some portfolios. We brought uh, Mark Taylor uh, yeah. in, in San Diego to meet with the fan and Probably of a whole experience of being a He-Man fan, getting to know Mark and Rebecca and becoming their friends and spending time with them. It's uh, it's like yeah. there is nothing else like that as uh, as a He-Man fan. And of course, Absolutely. it went beyond He-Man. It was like a personal connection with these mm-hmm. two people that have been so important in my life and the life of many He-Man fans. Uh, yeah, well, that, that that's yeah, it for now. Uh, I keep working on Transformers. So, yep, yep. And um, Now, did, did you ever think back in 1998 when you were putting together Homecoming, did you ever think like, hey, this is going to eventually put me in the, same, in, in the same room as Mark and Rebecca or anything like that? Did you, or, or could you feel no. it as you were making the comic that this is going to be it? No, no, definitely not. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, at, at that time, no one would have believed that Mattel would do anything again with Masters of no. the Universe, even if I, I hope, you know, to spark that interest. And um, in, in a way, I mean, 
a small percentage of homecoming uh, helped in that way because it created a tension uh, between fans. Uh, I mean, of course, there was already a community of fans. But that um, that comic... brought more of them together. Um, it, it gave the people what I wanted to do yeah. was to, to try to imagine how to move on, how to, to, to create new stories. And, yeah. and of, of, of course, fan art, there were people creating fan art. I, I, the first time I went online, I found a lot of fan fiction. I remember yes. all this early fan fiction. Uh, yeah, from the 90s. <laughs> uh, yeah, because people... of course... Uh, people yeah. were just desperate for new stories. I mean, yeah. that's what we were all looking for at that time. We wanted to we wanted to honor the past and talk about it, but we also wanted something new. And uh, yeah, I think I think your your story for the most of us was it was the first time someone had tried to to bridge the gap between new adventures. I think that was a big part of it for a lot of people. And the way you did it, even though I don't agree with all the choices you made in the story. It was still like, okay, so he's honoring everything that came before. You were one of the first, I remember, that actually honored new adventures. Most people were like, okay, I'm just going to write some more about Filmation or DC, you know, the mini comics or whatever. You were the first person I remember actually going like, okay, how do we include all of this that came before? And it it, it was awesome. And I remember sitting there with my dial-up internet, uh, late 90s, waiting for one page to load, read it, oh my god, next page to load. Um, it was it was an amazing experience. Yeah, and, and you know, now that you made me think about it, it's probably you know it was self therapeutic because you know, like everybody else, I didn't, I wasn't really happy when I saw the new adventure on the on the catalog. You know, I, I was yeah. I went to a toy shop uh, pretty regularly, and uh, one of the guy in the toy shop used to show me the retailer's catalog. Mm-hmm. Um, so every every January or February, I would go there and they had the new catalog and I could see all the new He-Man stuff that was coming out that year. Right. So in 88, in, yeah, it was 89 here. I was there and there was no more Masters of the Universe. So right. that was a huge disappointment because, you know, it was over. Right. And there was this new thing. And uh, I, I tried to embrace it, but deep down I was disappointed and sad and i didn't really like it i didn't really like the toy at the beginning i think the line got better eventually when mark came back to mattel yes you can Uh, see them changing it later in the line yeah yeah exactly uh but so you know when i did homecoming i said well this stuff exists um i'm not going to ignore something because i don't like it but more let's let's find an angle that justify this in the way I see Masters of the Universe. Mm-hmm. So probably that was what sparked writing that story. Right. And uh, while we're on New Adventures right quick, um, for those of you who don't know, uh, check out our All-Star Trivia, which should have aired by the time I put this up. Um, towards the end there, we were talking about New Adventures in the Trifusium Crystal, and there was something you wanted to share about that. Yeah, yeah, one of the many questions I failed miserably. Uh, <laughs> I got it half right because we were talking about uh, what uh, – can, can I say it? Because yeah, people have I'll, already – Yep, I'll, okay. the trivia uh, episode yeah. will be up before this goes up. So 
Okay, yeah, uh, we were talking about this uh, crystal that uh, him and the other folks need to retrieve for uh, to, to help Primus. And I was saying, okay, there probably there is probably a reason why there is this crystal uh, motive going on in New Adventures. Um, it's a guess. I, I don't really have evidence that there is this link, but. Uh, when you know what came before New Adventure, it makes perfect sense. Because uh, before settling down on the jet lag cartoon, um, there were multiple attempts to bring back Masters of the Universe in some way. And there was a couple of um, drafts of a um, series by Filmation, um, you know, the Hero 2 stuff or yep. the He-Man and Masters of Space with the talking powers word. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah the, <laughs> a lot of interesting things. But even before that, or around that time, because the timeline isn't really clear here, um, uh, Mattel was developing, along with uh, Gary Goddard and uh, Landmark, uh, Landmark Entertainment, a uh, live-action TV show which was going to use the uh, interactive uh, TV interactive um, feature that was later used in Captain Power. Captain yep. Power was probably developed later because this show uh, didn't become a reality. And um, uh, in some of the designs you can see in, in the Power and Honor Foundation catalog, you can see there were m- many of these toys had... Yeah, you can probably show something there. Um, they had this crystal power cell that you had to attach to many of the um, of the toys to make them work and i think even in the powers world i don't think that 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 piece of artwork in is in that in that book but maybe it's something that we found later but you had to put it in the um uh, in the power sword too, yep. and to, to to power up some of the vehicles. There's a blaster oh, yes. here. The blasters as the power cell. Yeah. And um, and interestingly, laser uh, a prototype for laser uh, laser power He-Man has this power cell on the back uh, attached to his backpack, which yeah. uh, basically. The, sure. You're uh, talking the laser power He-Man from the vintage uh, Masters of the Universe yeah. line. Yes, yes. Not the exactly. not the New Adventures line. No, 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 no. Okay. No. Yeah. Yes. Um, so the, the, this is the prototype where the armor mm-hmm. is half uh, half um, uh, um, silver with mm-hmm. the black and uh, and blue H, and yeah, he has this uh, green power cell on, on the top of his backpack. Now, if you consider the timeline. When these toys uh, came out in Europe, uh, you know that He-Man was done and gone in in, in US. The, the, the line was closed, right. but uh, it was still selling very well in uh, in Europe, especially in Italy, Spain, and Germany, where these uh, these figures came out. So what I think has happened, but it seems the most logical conclusion is that they were developing these toys for this new series. Yep. And they say, well, they're still selling very well here. Let's take this prototype, package it as vintage Masters of the Universe, as regular Masters of the Universe line here, mm-hmm. and just sell it as part of the line. Absolutely. So 
we got a toy for a line that was never ha- that never happened basically mm-hmm. yeah no I th- so and i think that's been the fan speculation for years especially with skeletor having the cyborg parts and everything yeah. else it only makes sense that they were you know uh, I guess I always just assumed that they were bridging the gap, like they were trying to soften you up. Like if, hey, if we release these under in the the red package, you know, uh, <laughs> then once we release the new stuff, you'll be more like, oh, okay, well, I've got the first two figures yeah. already, so I might as well no, get the rest ne- of them. They're <laughs> never that nuts. They, yeah. they, they, they don't care about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, the, the the Skeletor came from uh, Mark Wolfram Designs. It was called Biomechazoid Skeletor. It was still for the vintage line. Okay. I think Kina was... Well, so they used that, and then I think... Uh, it was still Dave Wolfram that designed the final New Adventure Skeletor. Mm-hmm. So you, you can see the process. It's more like... The same person was involved in that design, right. so he carried over a lot of elements from, from, from those. But I think Skeletor was designed for the vintage line, while the power cell feature, etc., was definitely the live-action show. Makes sense. There you go. Look at that. Learning something new every day. Um, is there some place we can go to see that laser power uh, prototype, uh, or you just have it hidden away in your vaults? No, 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 no. It's uh, <laughs> it was in a, in some ads. Um, okay. In some catalogs, I, I think if you can find a copy of the catalog, or there are of course scans. Yeah, I'll have to take a look one. around. Yeah, sometimes you see the same prototype without the power cell, uh, and sometimes you see the one with the power cells too. Uh, sometimes you see also the skeletal prototype in the same picture. It's actually is the picture where they are both prototype and you can tell they are just uh, kitbashed uh, vintage figures. Right. So skeletal, they just, you know, painted stuff, put cardboard pieces on top and it doesn't look at all like the, the final gotcha. new adventure skeletal. Right, well, uh, well, last skeletal. I'll take a look for those afterwards, folks. If you're watching this, take a look at the links down below. I'll I'll drop a link down there once I find them. Um. So yeah, so uh, awesome tidbits, and that and that's the kind of stuff that Power and Honor Foundation does. They dig up all this stuff. They've got this book. If you guys can get a hold of this book, it's amazing. It's got so much in there. Amazing job, uh, Emiliano, Josh Van Pelt. Um, I know there's probably many, many more. Um, Thank you. Yeah. Uh, if I can advertise a bit, absolutely, go for uh, it. We uh, we've been working on more books for for years. Unfortunately, uh, Dark Horse wasn't interested in uh, doing more books with us or the kind of books we wanted to do. But we would like to publish an updated version of the catalog, uh, probably with a different title, a mm-hmm. more professional book. That was our first attempt. But let's say you. S- Whatever you see in that book, we now have more than twice than that. Oh, my and God. Yeah, it, it will be a lot more comprehensive and with a lot more stuff. We have all the Mark Taylor stuff. We have all the stuff that uh, we found in Ted Mayer's uh, studio. A um, lot of new adventure things from the Dark Horse book. But, you know... Uh, organized in the foundation way, uh, yeah. so a lot more uh, scientific <laughs> to say that. And we're also working. I mean, we have other projects, but we're also working on this toy guide, um, which uh, is going to be a 
very different product from the Dark Horse uh, guide. Um, I wouldn't say they are in competition because we definitely have a different uh, audience in mind for that. Um, the Dark Horse book is probably going to appeal to have a, bro- a much broader appeal than uh, mm-hmm. our book. Our book is very uh, collector-focused, uh, where we try to co- we we only focus on the vintage line, okay. and um, we are trying to cover all the the different version of the toy line that were created in the 80s are all around the world so mm-hmm. not just the u.s release not just the european release but you'll see the top toys rotoplast leo toys and all the variations right uh it's uh that's that's a lot work. <laughs> it's a lot it cannot there is no way it is a hundred percent complete right uh, I, I i started to say that because i don't want people to expect that um it will be the final Warden variants. Mm. It won't. It's a work in progress. I've been working on that since 2011. <laughs> I'm glad that I haven't published it before mm-hmm. because the amount of information we found from 2011 to now, it's incredible. Let me just say, I was photographing Castle Grayskulls. Okay. Uh, You're not trying to do that, like all the different paint applique, all the paint sprays on Castle no, Grayskull. Is that, that, that just that's insane? Impossible. Yeah, that's impossible <laughs> because basically it was, uh, you know, this factory workers spray painting. And so <laughs> every single castle is different from each other. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but I just found out last weekend how many releases of the U.S. Castle Grayskull there are. Plus all the other variations that are around yeah. the world. And I just found out last weekend. <laughs> so so uh, now I have that information. I can't wait to share on, on this guide later when we'll publish it. Uh, can, can you give us a number? How? how uh, are you no, no, that's, because that, that, that's the cool thing that okay. I found out. Okay. Um, yeah, well. It's not many. I mean, I'm not talking about dozens of, of, of yeah. release, but. It's more than we thought. I, well, I would have said two because the only thing I can think of is that uh, the platform where the the cannon sits. I know it had a, it had one with the grooves in it and one where it was flat. So I would say two. So I'm probably way off. <laughs> it, it's no, it's not. You're not way off, but it's more than two. <laughs> more than two. All right. Um, yeah. Well, and you got. It's funny you bring that up because I was just looking. I just was cleaning some stuff out the other night. And uh, I found the picture of when I got my Castle Grayskull um, and me opening it, and that was in 1988. So you got to figure they they were, and that's what that's what shocked me because of how the toy industry is now and how it is then. You know, they were still producing Castle Grayskull in 1988. You know, seven years after it first released, like that is unheard of nowadays. Nowadays, you're lucky. Especially yeah. play sets, if it lasts, you know, six months, and once it's out of the stores, yeah, yeah. It's, it's gone. It's just one run. Yeah, it's just one run. Right. Castle Grayskull was produced in 82, uh, 83, and probably they kept producing. I don't think they actually kept it yeah. in production in 87, but uh, they made probably 82, 83, and 84, and maybe even 85. Yeah. Uh, even if they didn't change the mold, uh, it was still the same right. uh, U.S. release and the Italian version. Mm-hmm. Do, those were the two most common versions around the world. Uh, 
I don't know when the Austral Australian one was done, but probably that was later too. Uh, okay. So I mean that, that was, and the Leo Castle Gray School was later too because Leo was producing them later. But right, yeah, right. yeah, that's that's uh, that, that. Now it's just one run, uh, and, mm -hmm. yeah, and itself because it's the nature. It's more the nature of the retailers that they they want new stuff and yeah. just you know sell as quick as possible and bring new stuff. Yeah, uh, um, in the stores. Yeah, clearance it out after two months and call it a failure because you know your show has your movie hasn't even yeah. come out yet, your show hasn't premiered yet, and you know, yeah. you, 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 but you yeah. don't want it sitting there. But yeah. and also the the fun perception about this has changed. Like uh, we got one wave of each line every year uh, for Transformers, right. for for Masters of the Universe, for other lines. Now I see fans complaining uh, if they don't see any new announcement every month. Right, basically. right. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's completely changed the game. I mean, to talk about the modern stuff a little bit, uh, you know, the, the origin stuff, which uh, I'm not really getting into. I've, I've picked up a Scareglow and a Skeletor so far. But, um, I mean, the way they're releasing these is like boom, boom, boom. They did it with the, with yeah. the WWE uh, wrestler mashups. Like, they're releasing a new wave every, like, two months, it seems. Sometimes even a month in between. Um, yeah. Which is also very different from how it, they'd been previously. So uh, the toy industry is obviously still adapting to everything. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised, too. It's, uh, it's a weird uh, model, uh, this one. I mean, not, not even... Uh, the bigger toy lines like Transformers is uh, what com comes to mind uh, mm -hmm. right now as comparable. Well, not comparable because as much as <laughs> most people won't like it, Transformers is much bigger right now than Masters oh, of absolutely. E. It wasn't. It, it wasn't in the 80s, but uh, I mean, it, it stayed there and uh, mm -hmm. now it's much bigger, but they still have um, certain releases in at certain times of the years. Uh, of mm -hmm. course, the figures come, um, come out at different times, but not as fast and as in bigger waves like uh, Origins right now. I guess the, the nature of, the, of Origins uh, being modular and having a lot of uh, uh, reused parts between the figures helps with that a lot. Oh, true, true. I didn't think about that. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. And uh, yeah, so let's, let's shift gears for a minute here. Because sure. uh, we want to talk about your work on MV Creations. I mean, this was uh, to those of us to those of us fans. This was definitely uh, uh, your child, basically. It seemed to us. I mean, you did the majority of the artwork, from what I can remember. Um, and and what was it like? What was it like working for MV Creations? What was it like putting out a monthly comic? Um, and how did you get all that toy? Four Horsemen detail into every panel. That must have taken you uh, forever. Well, that's the reason I'm why I'm not doing comics anymore. <laughs> <laughs> uh, where where do, do I start? Um, well, you know, it was it was it wasn't work. I never work with a for a big publisher, uh, mm -hmm. so I can't. I don't have the experience to make a comparison, but I know that I was working basically for uh, not family-owned, but just mm -hmm. one guy owning the company. Yeah, uh, it was a small uh, business. So it was Val. Yeah. 
yeah, it, it was just his, his company. So, you know, it was really a one-to-one uh, relationship on, on the comic. Mm. And, um, of course, there was a lot of trust put in me as this unknown uh, newcomer, which I ha- haven't worked professionally uh, before that. So, mm. I mean, of course, I, I'm very grateful that Val was so... Um, uh, 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 ready to trust. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, but I mean, the relationship was very, I wouldn't say loose, but very relaxed because yeah. it was just me and him. He, he sent me the script and I would do the pages. He gave me corrections and I would fix it. Um, we had Marco Faila that helped us um, at the beginning. I was the inker mm-hmm. and um, and then we Marco left because he wanted to to pursue his own career. Now Marco is a big artist working for DC and, and Marvel. Um, so we switched to just penciling, which added a bit to the stress because you know the final heart had to be my pencils, mm-hmm. uh, not the, the inked one. So they had to look much better. Um, and and then you know it was my obsession for the toys that made me draw that then that way. Right. I wanted them to be uh, exactly uh, like the toy. Well, there was also another reason. I, Before doing the He-Man comics, I was using a completely different style mm-hmm. and I was using a lot of uh, harsh shadows and blacks. And uh, part, in part because Val didn't like that and in part because what Mattel was putting out in terms of art uh which was done by ruben martinez which is now one of the designer of origins Uh, the mini comics are drawn by ruben um uh you know that art was more manga-ish yeah uh, more anime oriented more joe madureira than actually real manga um madureira was big at that time and i kind of saw that the forcemen were going for that exaggerated look with a lot of details. Uh, and without being able to um, uh, use blacks, uh, I had to draw everything. I, yeah. I couldn't cover anything in shadow. Uh, so I, it was a lot of work. Yes, it was <laughs> yeah. a lot of work. And I, I was obsessed with getting the toys perfectly right. You know, I was always going to, you know, I had these photos of the prototype and started them. And when I, I got the figure, I had the figures on my desk <laughs> all the time, picking them up and noticing, oh, look, this thing on Skeletor knee is actually a piece of school he has. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I know yeah, so, you even have like on on Skeletor's shin guards, you've got the little crack that goes in the one jewel. Like, I mean, yeah, that is yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, because it was a school. So, I, oh, okay, so I have to draw it like a piece of a school. It's not the jewel. <laughs> and, and and then at one point, Eric Tradeaway told me, "Oh, you're you're putting more details than we <laughs> have in our talk." Yeah, I know. And so, by the hand of it, I was so tired. Yeah, <laughs> so tired. And uh, yeah, at one point when I realized doing uh, toys was much more satisfying and paid much better, I said, no more comics. No. <laughs> and and I think you came to realize why Filmation and even Mike Young they always simplified all the designs. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, it, it, that's not even 
like doing a comic book where you have to draw it uh, like five times mm-hmm. on 20 pages, the same guy maybe. Uh, that is a lot of animators that have to, to draw a character thousands of times. Yeah. So, uh, so, episode. <laughs> so, of course. I still, re- I still remember a photo uh, from you back during your 2000, day- 2000 X days. Um, I think it was for the finale for the, the volume one comic where you had a bunch of blaster hawks like hung up uh, <laughs> around your room so that you could get that final yeah. assault on Snake Mountain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, of course, I only had one, but I took photographs in different uh, in different poses and, and, and points of view. That and was I it, put yeah. them in Photoshop, and, 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 yeah, in my room. <laughs> so I, and I traced all those. Yeah, the whole way of doing things. You know, <laughs> taking the photos, uh, putting them together in Photoshop, printing it, going to the light box and tracing all the stuff. <laughs> nice. I don't <laughs> and, uh, and now he just designs the toys, so... <laughs> yes. So, uh, on this, uh, we're going to Talk for a minute here for what you remember of The Power of Fear, because Sean and I uh, just reviewed this in our last episode. Um, first off, both you and Enza Fontana are credited for the art. How did that yes. work uh, with dual artists on a book? Did you guys uh, do certain pages? Did you switch back and yeah. forth? Or We we, we, use, uh, we just split the, the book in two. Okay. Uh, like I will take on an average 11 pages and hence I will take uh, another 11 mm. or, you know, maybe sometimes I did a bit more. And the same was uh, with uh, with this one, with Power of Fear. We did uh, probably, I don't remember how many pages it is, but we did half and half. Okay. And so... Yeah. Uh, so we, and we, 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 I mean, we were working together in the same studio. So we were constantly looking at what the other was doing and try to make the style consistent as much as we could. That's Sometimes a, I was doing layout for air and she was doing layout for me. So, Gotcha. That's what I was going to say. Reading through the book, I mean, it transitions. I've read books where it's like, okay, here's where the other artist took over. But with this book, it's it's like, it's, it's hard to seamless. <laughs> so that's uh, amazing work to both of you. Well, that's that's good also. The credits for the ends that adapted so well to... Absolutely. Um, so the character is Scareglow especially. Uh, tell us what you can remember about uh, uh, making the decision to include Scareglow. Uh, was that something that just came to you in the script? And uh, who actually got to design Scareglow? Was that you? Did you work with any of the Four Horsemen maybe? Or uh, anything you can remember about that part? Mm-hmm. Well, okay. Um, I, as it was anticipated to you uh, yeah. before we, we recorded, there wasn't uh, any big plans uh, behind this? Um, I mean, Val wanted to do this charity comic because that was right. what it was. It was a charity comic, and um, and you know we were always trying to give something to the fans, uh, do something that fans would um, would enjoy. And you know, this was an Halloween special, yes. and so. You know, it kind of makes sense to to use Carglow, which is a very Halloweenish character uh, by himself, a glowing skeleton. So perfect uh, mm-hmm. for that purpose. Um, the issue was that um, it hasn't been designed for the cartoon, right. and it ha- and it was one of the few that Eric Tradeaway didn't sketch for um, 
for the toy line. It had right. a few more designs for the, like Spike or and uh, and Jitsu that some of those eventually became the the, the neck cast action. Right. Uh, but he hadn't done Scarglow. I remember uh, one of the other guys that helped uh, Eric. Uh, George Djokovic, which uh, sculpted many of the classics figures and some of the um, 2002 figures too, he had some designs for Scarglow, but I have uh, I got to see them only much later on. Right. Uh, one of the idea was to have uh, their ideas was to have um, actual an actual skeleton enclosed in clear plastic. Okay. Which is actually a nightmare to produce. Uh, it's very <laughs> difficult. I, I remember that the, the, somebody mentioned that again, maybe for Mondo, but I really have no idea how to do that. Like, there is a lot of engineering involved in doing something like that. Right. But anyway, uh, so at that time there was nothing about him. So uh, of course I, I, I sketched it, uh, I, and that uh, that was the time where I was starting, you know, to try to do my own um, designs. My goal there was to 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 be like Eric, to make mm-hmm. designs that could be um, part of what the four horsemen were doing. I wasn't trying to do my own thing. I was trying to do okay. I want to do a, a design that looks like it was done by the four horsemen. Um, not not as an homage or to steal from them, just, right. you know, it's part of the design to um, create something that fits exactly a certain aesthetic. So I did Scarglow, I did a few others, just the others for fun, but this was for the purpose of this book. So, uh, yeah, Val called me and, uh, well, it actually, it, it didn't call me. I was in a studio uh, in... Uh, Lynchburg, in, in in Virginia, and um, yeah, he told me about that. I, I think that the funnier part of, about this that I can tell you, uh, I'm sure you remember this fondly too. It was, you know, he, he told me I want to do this Halloween special. I want to do, I want to have Scarglow in this, uh, but I can't. Uh, I have to find a good uh, a good title for this. Right. Uh, I don't know. We need <clears> to have a. a powerful title what what that could be it, it should sound like something like the power of fear <laughs> and i said yeah you, you have it you got it and so everybody <laughs> in the room look at it oh yeah that's true that's right <laughs> so, no it is it, it was it's really a great like title that. yeah it was just like let's do something like this yes that, that's the one <laughs> right right now um now, I also seem to recall from the time that after this came out, you guys got into a little bit of trouble for using Scareglow. Um, and fa- I found that interesting, especially reading through the credits here as we were getting ready to review it, and I was re- reacquainting myself with the story, because uh, you have Ian Richter on here as an editor, and in the back here there's a letter from the the CEO of Dream Halloween, and, yep. and he's also a, a I'm sorry he's a, he's founder and board chair of Dream Halloween and he was a Mattel CEO Joe Christina. So yeah. why did you guys get into trouble for using this guy when these two Mattel guys were a part of this whole thing? Uh, I'd sense. like to know. 
I'd like to know. <laughs> I'd still like to know. Okay. Uh, well, uh, you know, um, uh, Yen being uh, listed there doesn't necessarily means that you actually have read it. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> well, no, not because uh, be, we were hiding it or we were right. going behind the, their back. I, I'm talking pu- purely by schedule and timeline. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, you know, we submitted the comic for approval, right? And there was no way to for uh, for many of the issues. Uh, there were no way to come out in time according to schedule if we had to wait for the full approval yeah they were just slow yeah it was just impossible okay so we did everything accordingly of course dream one was aware of 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 the entire thing Mm -hmm. uh and that came out you know there was always you know it's all it's everything is all history so i don't okay i don't have any bad feeling about it anymore but you know there was always somebody that didn't like what we were doing. Okay. It was Scott during the classics and it was Ian during that time. And it's kind of understandable. Ian was the producer of uh of the show. Right. And which basically it means that Ian was the showrunner and it was the one calling the shots and writing the story. Right. So it was his story. Like right now, almost everything is Rob Vate, Brat Mattel. I mean, even the DC comic, it's whatever name you see as the writer in the comic is Rob Vate calling the shots and deciding what the storyline is. Uh, At that time, it was Ian. Okay. And Ian had his plans for the show, etc. So anybody that came in and wanted to do their own thing. Well, let's say Ian didn't like that very much. <laughs> uh, even if at that point when we did Power of Fear, uh, I think the show was already over. Uh, yeah. I mean, at well, least we we knew yeah. that it was going to be over. You know, even if it hadn't tired, when it tired, uh, we already knew that there was going to be no more shows. Right. I think th- I think season two was done, but it hadn't all aired yet. I think I think that's where. It yeah. Was exactly. Yeah. So so you know there was no real reason to to complain about that. I mean, right. if anything, we, we were trying to to move ahead the story, but Mattel just simply had no plan and just wanted to phase out everything. Right. So, and I still don't know how exactly everything worked, how exactly they started saying stuff. No, you cannot use right. any character in the story. You cannot do this. You cannot do that. And we had just had to give up because it was just impossible to do anything with it. Right. It's not like they said, just stop. They just say, no, you, you, at one point they say, you can only use 12 characters. Yeah, I remember that, those days. Yeah, how can you tell a story as large with only 12 characters? We right. cannot go in any new town. We cannot find any new artifacts, nothing. Right. So, you know, the entire volume tree was written around that. Like, right. okay, so we cannot, because... Everything was about trademarked names. Mm-hmm. So we cannot 
name anything. We won't name anything. I'll write a story. Well, at that point, it was me creating the plots. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll write a story where we show a lot of stuff. <laughs> and we, we show right. that there is a this big plan, but nobody will ever know what it is. Right. No, that was... I remember your. I remember the tidbits of your scrapped volume three, and it it sounded amazing. And the volume three we did get was still awesome. You guys did amazing work working within the limits. But yeah, it was. You guys yeah, could have yeah. done so much more. Uh, you know what? Uh, one interesting thing about volume three, though, was that uh, I think just as the story arc, mm. um, the writing of that specific story arc. I think it was much better than the story we had planned. Oh, really? Uh, now, I don't even remember a lot of the the, the of the, uh, the just those six episodes we we had planned, six right. issues we had planned. But uh, it was just you know an ongoing story. Um, it wasn't really focused. Uh, it didn't have a complete story arc. Right. While we had to create this story that had some conclusion uh, on issue six. And I think it was better because it was more focused. We had to find a conclusion that makes sense within the cartoon. And I remember even when the script came, uh, came in because we had this other girl writing the actual script Mm -hmm. on my plot uh, came in and I was really unhappy and I called Val and said, look, this last uh, issue is just a big fight. There's no payoff. Nothing happens here. Uh, we have to find something else. So we rewrote it and uh, we changed it. And we came up with this idea that uh, Iman didn't have the power to open the sword and defeat yeah. Serpus at the hand. So we, <clears throat> we brought that in the, that last uh, uh, issue. So yeah. it made sense, and we had uh, an an actual hand, something that paid off in the in the story arc. That's why I think it's more solid uh, than the the story we had in mind. And I will say that that was my favorite part of that. That whole volume three is amazing. Don't get me wrong; it's it's absolutely amazing. Um, and I love that you actually gave a reason for He-Man's sword all of a sudden being able to do this. Whereas in the actual cartoon episode, spoiler alerts, if you guys haven't, you know, <laughs> read or watched anything in the past, you know, uh, seven, 17 years now. Oh my God. Um, but yeah, th- that you guys actually made a reason why He-Man can all of a sudden do this. I just thought that was phenomenal because that's how my mind works. And even in Awaken <laughs> the Serpent, I'm sitting here going like, how? Why? You know, it, it was an why? awesome episode, but why? How? And why haven't why haven't we done this the whole time? Why hasn't he done this every, you know, big bad he's come up against? Why hasn't he used this? You know, and you guys yeah. gave a, a, a reason for it in universe. Yeah. And I do appreciate of course, that. It, it, this is nothing bad about the show. Of course, we think as an adult about this stuff. Right. For for a kid, <laughs> the show perfectly made sense. They didn't need any other explanation. Him and had this new power. That's it. Sure. It, it works. <laughs> but yeah, as adults, we try to, 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 to find better explanation for stuff. Absolutely. Uh, real quick, a couple more questions we had come up with Scareglow. Um, so in... Uh, so obviously there's a big point of contention still to this day, even after attempts to clarify 
whether Scareglow serves Skeletor or whether Scareglow is Skeletor. And one of the things I noticed reading through here is in this issue, Scareglow and Skeletor both had that added effect around their word bubbles, that red uh, mm. trim. Was yeah, this kind yeah. of kind of a little nod like, hey, maybe there's a bigger connection <laughs> between them? Or no. was it just, well, uh, they're both skeleton characters and that's like an echo? Uh, I mean, if Val had something in mind and or he wanted to play on that and instructed the letter uh, mm-hmm. at that time, I can't remember or, or maybe I, didn't, I never knew. But okay. as far as I know, there was no plan at all. I still think that this whole confusion came just for the grammar. Yeah, and, no, and that's exactly exact what it comes from. So yeah. so for you personally, is Scareglow just a ghost or is he Skeletor's ghost? No, it's just a ghost. Just a ghost, okay. Yeah, it's it's something that he, 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 he summoned from another dimension. Yep. All right. And I, I I completely agree with you, but I know there are still those out there that, that debate it. I mean, so. yeah, it's it's another story. It, it could even be an interesting what-if story if yeah. if we found out that uh, it is like a, a deceased skeleton uh, from the future that comes back as our Scarlow. Yeah. yeah. But I'm very picky with, picky with the lore of, of the character, so that's why I don't I don't really like that. Yeah, and I, I don't like tying things in too tight, because to me, you get yeah. to a point where it's like, okay, now everybody's related, and I don't I yes. don't like yes. that, so... Um, yeah, there is already enough with Keldor and Adora, etc. Yes, exactly. Um, one of the really cool things I thought you guys did in this comic was, um, when Scareglow's just there, and not using his power, he's all, like, grayish-black... And his skeleton only appears when he's using his power. Um, again, was that something you, you came up with, or was that on the colorist? Well, we instructed the colorist for sure to, to, to make that. Well, I, I think it was Val coloring that. No, no. Uh, uh, no, it was... It was uh, uh, Freddy? Kevin, Kevin Semft and John Rauch? Oh, yeah, yeah. John Rauch, that yeah, let, later work. I think on some transformer stuff. No, I'm, I think Val instructed them, uh, and I yeah, I think I remember uh, talking about you know having the effect changing in, in different pages. But yeah, it wasn't. It was something that we planned. Yeah, that was that was a very cool addition to it. And um, I guess the last big question that came up for us when we were reading it is, um, it was interesting. To see in your guys' comic that Scareglow's power worked more like a uh, uh, like a Mad Hatter toxin, where they're actually like living through, you know, Tila Man, Arms He Man, they're living through a fear rather than just being yep. paralyzed in fright. Um, yeah. But can Scareglow see these uh, uh, these hallucinations? <laughs> Uh, I I don't think I thought about that okay. at that time. Uh, that's that's actually an interesting question because yeah, we were debating uh, it because especially with He Man, I mean that opens up a whole can of worms yes, if exactly. he's seeing yes. into He Man's mind here. Yeah, exactly. That's that would be interesting to explore. I guess for the sake of moving the story <laughs> ahead without giving him too much power is just something that. 
uh, he, he provoke in others uh, an effect that he has on others people's mind, right. but it's not that is reading it. So it's like okay. something that is projecting some power that projects on them. And I didn't want to use the, the word virus right now. Uh, oh, no. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but you toxin. Know I mean. Go with toxin. Like the Mad Hatter. They're, 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 yeah, exactly. they're experiencing it, but Scareglow can't see it. He just takes that opportunity yeah. to strike them down yeah. while they're living through it. Exactly. Yes, yes. All right. Yeah, that's... Uh, that's that's where I was hoping it would go, but I was just curious if you if if you had a different thought on it. Because um, yeah, it's, and that's exactly what it does. It either t- makes Scareglow a powerful villain or Scareglow an all powerful villain. You know. Yeah. And, yeah. And then it's like, how do you defeat this guy then if he's learning everything about everybody? Yes. Exactly. Yeah. T- t- bit too complicated. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, I think that's about all we had about the power of fear. Uh, any other any other tidbits you want to share or uh, anything else you want to promote? Uh, uh, I wish I, I could have more Masters of the Earth stuff I was working on right now. Uh, <laughs> to talk about but unfortunately right now i'm really i'm working on this toy guide i told you and i I haven't done any new mondo stuff for some time but there is still some something that they have yet to reveal oh yeah what uh oh sorry what what i meant to ask that earlier what which of the figures did you design off of mondo because i haven't been paying as close of attention to them because i can't afford most of them (laughs) uh i did um man at arms was my first, even if it came out later. <laughs> I did Murmur. I, I did um, Ordak. And I did just the scythe for Scarglow. Oh, the scythe. Gotcha. The scythe, yeah. Um, the yes, others? That, that scythe was very 2000X. Everyone, everyone yes. was going with it when it came out. Yeah, yeah. Because, well, they, they actually, yeah, they, they showed me, you know, that the comic, I said, we will, we will like something like that. Um, and they teased a few more, mm-hmm. at least four more, but I don't know if they ever confirmed them by names. So like, if you name yeah. something like, oh, I saw a picture of that, <laughs> you can say, oh yeah, I did that one. Okay. Uh, but I, I cannot say the name myself. Gotcha. Um, yeah, I think... I- I can't even think of what I think they teased a Shira. I think that's about the only one that I can remember. Well, okay, the that's hand. true. They actually they actually show my drawing uh, on Instagram uh, last year. Uh, well, right. no, this this year. Sorry, I lost. Of course, time it, has. It's has been gone. a very long year, so it's yeah, it's felt yeah, like they, two they, years. They, yeah, they show Shira uh, and uh, yeah, that 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 that's me too. Well, I did basically all of them except Ray Paints and. Uh, um, Trap Joe, uh, okay. which is Florian Bertmer. Uh, but yeah, Shira was super excited to do Shira. Um, it was, I had to design the body because they didn't have a female right. body yet. And then, you know, it was like, it, it was around uh, the time that Sideshow had revealed their statue. Mm-hmm. So we were all. Uh, let's let's show sideshow how it's done. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. No, you're not, you're knocking down the park of, on those figures. I wish I could afford more, but it just it is what it is. I know they are they are very expensive stuff. It's yeah. a high hand 
collectible. Um, yeah, I, I'm happy myself that I get sample for this because <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it will be a lot. Um, and go ahead and feel free to share some of the non-masters of the universe stuff. I mean, I know we've got a lot of fans here that are pretty much you know, uh, uh, you know, dabbling a lot of stuff. So, what are you working yeah. on right now for Hasbro that you can talk about? Uh, yeah, I, I never can talk about what I'm. I mean, of course, oh. I'm working. Non-stop on Transformers. Yeah. Um, I work, and since uh, my whole boss, John Warden, uh, moved after, I think, 10 years or 11 years on, on Transformers, he moved to, it was moved to Power Rangers. Yeah. Uh, I, I started working on Power Rangers. Now, I'm too old for Power Rangers, meaning that I never actually yeah. uh, watched the show or became a fan of the show. But um, John immediately involved me in Power Rangers, and uh, I think just I think it was last Friday they did um, um, a live show. Yeah, uh, they did you something. Know, mm-hmm. Yeah, and they, and uh, there was Jordan, uh, my the other designer working on the line, and 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 John, and they were all excited that they show some of the uh, new Megazords from the uh, new Dino Fury uh, yeah. uh, toy line. And uh, and they showed some of the swords I designed. Of of course, when I say this, you know, there is one thing uh, uh, that started to bother me in the last few years because when I say I designed it, it sounds like I came up with the entire thing, mm-hmm. and uh, that is not fair uh, to say okay. because I didn't. When when, when we talk about. Uh, the Power Ranger Zords for yeah. the new show. Of course, I didn't design them. Uh, there was Toei that created uh, the, the, the show and the design of, of these guys and the Zords and the costumes, etc. When I say I designed the figure, I, it means that I adapted those designs for that specific toy. Right. But I didn't map with the, with the toy. So I'd like... There was a better term to to make the distinction, so you know the credit would go to where is uh, where is due. So I designed, I helped design this specific toy, right. but of course didn't didn't come up with the characters or, or, or anything like that. But it was fun. It was something different. I got to study a lot of the old stuff and the new stuff. It was stuff that I'm, even if I know a lot of Japanese toys. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are areas that uh, we completely ignore. Right. Like, if I ask most of uh, the U.S. people about the Brave line, they have no idea what it is. No idea. And it's, <laughs> it's a line, it's a series of show and, uh, and toys mm. that has been going on for decades. And they do crazy stuff. Like if you watch one of these uh, toy review videos on YouTube, where you have the entire like they, they review ten years of Brave mm-hmm. uh, robots, you you are amazed because you have these vehicles that forms a robots, and then there is another vehicles that transform it into another robots, but also open apps and put it and goes on top of the first robot and make it a bigger robot, and and. They go on and on, and you get larger and larger robots. So and is this is more... this? Oh, sorry. Is this based on uh, properties, or is it like it's original it's, it's, stuff? 
Yeah, it's it's a property called Brave. Uh, okay, so it is its own property. Yeah, but it's, okay. it's kind of like Power Rangers, where every year they reinvent the line with right. new robots, like uh, Gal Geiger, uh, Neon Genesis Gal Geiger, which yes. is a better known. Yeah, that's part of the Brave uh, oh, okay. series. Okay. Uh, but yeah, but there there is crazy stuff even in the Super Sentai uh, yes. robots. There are some amazing stuff, uh, and I, I wasn't aware. I got to study it for what I, what I both book, started watching videos, and I'm just amazed because they're they are just incredible toys and yeah. incredible designs. So I, I get excited about this stuff. You like can it. tell. Now, um, <laughs> when you say uh, you've you've worked on Transformers, when you're designing that, again, obviously you're taking like the movie or the cartoon or something and you're trying to, you know, you've got pretty much existing. You're not creating new characters. Or have you created sometimes, new? Sometimes I did. Sometimes, sometimes I did? did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you have to come up with actually how it transforms as a designer? Or do you come up with like, he's going to look like this and then it goes to another department that goes, here's how we make him change? Yeah. Uh, uh, no, I don't. Um, okay. That's the short answer. Uh, <laughs> longer answer is that, um, uh, the, the way it works is that Asbro develops uh, a basic idea of the character. And mm. usually what I do is to come up with the visual of the character. Okay. And you, I'm told to not worry too much about the transformation. Uh, eventually, the team at Takaratomi in Japan will take over and figure out the transformation. And I know that whatever I draw, they will be able to do it. Uh, Of course, uh, if you are a good designer and a good Transformers designer, you try to make their life easier by doing something that is at least possible. You You don't do something that just... The halt mode and the robot mode have nothing to do with each other or where the parts are in places that are impossible to reach. Right. If, he, if he's, if he's it, got a big spoiler, it's got to be somewhere on the robot. You can't just leave that Yeah, off. you, you kind of try to do that. Mm-hmm. You, you know that some parts can be hidden mm-hmm. and um, some stuff can switch around pretty pretty freely the way that the character does, but you try to be con- uh, conscious about that and and. and provide something that makes sense uh, for them to, uh, and they can work with. So, and, and so, sometimes for smaller things, uh, I came up with some transformation myself. Um, sometimes I work on uh, models that have been already developed. So you have this gray model with uh, no details on them. It's just blo- right. blocks. Uh, and I, Sometimes just sketch over the CAD drawings or even of the prototype photos and and draw the characters on top of them. So the transformation has been figured out already. Gotcha. Uh, so, you know, it, it changed a lot. It depends. Sometimes um, there is something they haven't thought about. And I said, why don't you make this transforming this way? It uh, doesn't happen often. I don't want to take <laughs> too much space like that. But like on the uh, generation Skybite. Mm-hmm. Uh, the original designer had just his shark head right. completed on front of, of his chest and say, why don't we cut the tip or the, the nose of the shark in a certain way so we can completely rotate it 
180 degrees and you have the you know the jam with the the symbol like the whole toy and right. that that they felt that was a good idea and they implement Takaratomi implemented it in the in the toy very nice sounds like a good partnership there lots of back and forth so that's... yes 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 and I, I i have to say everybody at hasbro they are the nicest guys i nice. I, I can work with they are passionate if you watch their their video like this power ranger video you watch john mm -hmm. and you can tell john is not just a corporate corporate guy he really really get excited and yeah. he has a lot of fun about what he does and you know that passion working together yeah. with these guys you, you can feel it and they said sometimes one of them once said yeah yeah we're just dark for this stuff <laughs> well, uh, and, and it's fun yeah well even even watching you for those of you who are listening on our audio platform and not on the youtube video I mean, Emiliano's face has just been lit up this entire time. I mean, you can see the love and the passion he's got. I mean, I don't talk about my work like that. I, I, I run a grocery store, so I don't talk with any sort of passion like that. It's amazing seeing you. You're talking about your nine to five day job, and you are just lit up like a like a like a young boy who's finding the Transformers in the stores. That's that's yeah. awesome. So. Yeah, yeah, it is. I, I, I consider myself like, I mean, it, the job can get boring at time, of course, mm -hmm. and can be stressful. But I know I, I, how lucky I am doing this. Uh, absolutely. It's, uh, it, it's great. Uh, and um, I, I wouldn't change it for anything else right now. All right. Well, I, I want to thank you, Emiliano. I want to thank you for coming on today. Uh, I want to thank you for, for all the work you've done for the fandom, all the comics, all the art that's brought joy into my life and the lives of many others. Um, uh, listening to you on Roast Google Dinner back in the day. I mean, this, uh, I feel like I've known you for a long time, and it's been a pleasure to sit down with you today. I appreciate it. Yeah, that, please imagine that uh, it's, it's likewise for me to, to know that I've connected with so many people over the years and when I went to and when I go to San Diego mm -hmm. and other conventions you know I meet people and they know me and uh, it's not, <laughs> not not like I'm popular it's just like they know me they they know me as a person and it's uh, it, it, it's fantastic you know to have that kind of connection right away because I, because of the work I did and because the way I try to communicate with people too uh, it, it's fantastic I hope you know uh, I really hope next year <laughs> we, we'll be able to do it again absolutely I agree alright guys thanks for jo joining us today thanks for tuning in um, I'll drop some links down below I find that prototype I'll drop a link to that Hasbro panel check out all that stuff buy some Transformers keep Emiliano you know in a job and uh, as we always say on Legends of Grayskull, until next time.